With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then, there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Hey, everybody, Wizard and the Bruiser and Page Seven are going back on the road this summer. That's right, release the Butthole Cut Tour returns. Where are we going, Jake? Oh, you can find us in Salt Lake City, Denver, Las Vegas, Portland, Tacoma, Oklahoma City, Kansas City, and St. Louis, Missouri. LastPodcastNetwork.com for tickets. Go to LastPodcastNetwork.com for Page Seven and Wizard and the Bruiser present release the Butthole Cut Tour. With the Mario Brothers and plumbing's our game, we're not like the others who get all the fame. If your sink is in trouble, you can call us on the double. We're faster than the others. You'll be hooked on the brothers. The brothers, the brothers. What's up, everybody? It is our Mario Extravaganza episode, our Mario Bonanza episode. You're welcome, Italians. For too long, <laughs> Finally, representation. every Italian I've met has been like, oh, when are we, when are we gonna get our own episode? Right, Ay, only accent you can still, you can still uh, do like that and not get in any kind of social media trouble as well, <laughs> which we appreciate our Italian brethren for allowing us to mock the their silly sound of their voice. Italians, Irish, Russians, bless you for having funny <laughs> accents that are <laughs> that fair, are... gay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and yeah, we've just weirdly it lined up with the network break coming uh, that we were just experiencing a ton of new Mario bullshit uh, in both. But but not in video game form. You say bullshit. I say lifelong wish fulfillment because sure. Holden, there's a lot to be said about the um, commodification of nostalgia the um, you know the member berries as South Park always refers to it, and the fact that there can be a dark side, a narcotic kind of opiate like drudgery that can happen when you indulge too much on nostalgia. But having just done our week long uh, our episode and week long research dive on the Super Mario Brothers movie from 1993, I gotta say. Hook me up to the fucking ether gas. Just like, just give me that uncut 1985 Super Mario nostalgia juice because I am, I'm fucking loving every second of this shit. Wow. I'm fucking loving it. 
and I don't care. He sent such an ominous text in response to the movie. Uh, I guess, all right, so the things we're going to talk about today are not send an anonymous text, anonymous tweet uh, about the movie, but 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 what we're getting mm. into today is going to be, of course, the new Illumination Super Mario Bros. movie that it came out. We both watched it in the theater. And, and by the way, good on us for not illegally watching it. Yeah, literally everybody watched it. Uh, it was great. I want to talk about our specific movie theater experiences because honestly, too, I just haven't been in a movie theater in a minute. Mm. On top of that, though, you know, it. I, yeah, I definitely have a lot of thoughts about this movie, even though I got pretty shit faced watching it. I'm not going to lie. It was on a lot of edibles. Uh, they were selling uh, high powered, high ABV IPAs at wow. the uh, movie theater bar. So, I mean, we just definitely got a little chittered, which was fun. Uh, but I still t- soaked it in. And I, 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 part of me almost wanted to start writing notes down, but we can talk about it. I, I, you know, and then also I got this crazy situation. I can't even believe this worked out. I mean, H- Henry essentially pulled the influencer card and managed to get us uh, passes to get into Universal and Super Nintendo World and experience that uh, here in L.A. I mean, I will say, you know, just a little sneak peek. It's such a s- smaller experience than anywhere else like Tokyo and what it's going to be at uh, in Orlando is going to be m- much more like the full experience. But it was still cool as hell, man. Like, I mean, you were trans. They literally transport you like you walk through the tube. You walk through like Peach's Castle with like the sunshine on the floor and like very, very like the insects. And they're playing like da. And then you and then you step out in, and then like and you saw it. I posted on Instagram. That was like my favorite thing I got from the whole day. I was just following Henry, Natalie, and Jackie as we walked through Princess Peach's castle and then out into the world. They do a great job of like of like in a very Instagram friendly, mm-hmm. TikTok friendly way, giving you this like welcome to the world experience where you walk out and it's all just alive and there and constantly moving. And then the cool extra thing is I got a little bit of an insight in, I have to be really vague about this, but a, a, a little bit of an insight in on some of the inner workings of how the whole thing came together from a pr- production Let's standpoint. Let's just say a little birdie told uh, just landed on your shoulder and whispered some uh, very interesting things. And also, if Holden isn't careful, that little bird will be murdered by several major corporations. Yeah, this big kind of gaping mouth thing spat an egg out at me, <laughs> and I jumped on top of the egg and managed to pick it up while moving through the through the uh, air, and then po- deposited it into into a bird. Mm. And that bird told me some secrets. Was that a Birdo reference? Was that Mario too? Yes. There's so many scenarios. I was trying to figure out if you were doing a Yoshi thing because there's also a scenario where you're just throwing weird eggs at shit. Nintendo's weird about eggs, huh? They got a whole egg <laughs> fetish, it seems. But oh. let's start with the movie. Why don't why don't we get things kicking with the filmic experience? I mean, okay, the number one animated opening of all time, the second biggest Easter weekend box office draw. We're talking uh seven hundred million dollars worldwide. The un- People are coming back to the theater in droves for this thing. It's the Super Mario Brothers movie. And uh, to differentiate it from 1993, that's just called Super Mario Brothers. This is the Super Mario Brothers movie. So just just so you know. 
that in case I'm talking about one or the other, that's the differentiator. I mean, we also saw uh, the Mario, uh, the old Mario movie. And that is kind of fun that we did that episode because it really kept it fresh in your head. Just how like bungled and insane that first effort was in comparison to seeing them do it like, quote unquote, right. I mean, I was, I'm searching for your text about the movie because I felt like it was kind of like, I was All like, right. I can't tell All right, hold how on. he here's feels a, about Here's this. an essential question. Here's an essential question that I feel like will unpack the multitudes of thoughts that can be brought into this uh, discussion. Does a movie have to be good to be a good movie? <laughs> what do you mean, like traditionally, like structurally, like screenplay book? Like, does it have to be a good movie in under the terms of what makes a good movie in order for someone to go to a movie and have a good time. I'll tell you what breaks that mold immediately for me, what shattered it for me initially when I was a bit younger than this, Jackass the movie. Mm -hmm. Jackass the movie in every single way like is not mm -hmm. a structurally sound in a Hollywood sense filmic experience. It is, you know, and shit, I'll, th I'll even kind of throw cats in there. Uh, just but even though I think Jackass is like on a much obviously like better quality level, but cats in its own way, because cats is a fucking mess. But I would rather watch cats than most like Academy Award winning movies. If you were given if you gave me the choice, because it's just fun as hell to watch. And to me, that makes it a good movie because <laughs> it's terrible. But Jackass is I think it's genuinely a good movie and it has no plot. It has no structure. It is, you know, it is uh, hour and a half long Jackass episode with more extreme stunts and a bigger budget. And I think it's it might even make my like a top 20 list like one of the Jackasses would probably. So. There have been amazing animated movies. We've t we did a whole uh, Pixar tier list on our bonus feed. Uh, go to patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. Listen to us discuss every single Pixar movie ever made. And there's some incredible things in there, even non-Pixar movies. I mean, the, the closest thing you could almost make a one-to-one -to, -one to is Wreck-It Ralph. Wreck-It Ralph is a video game movie. It is full of references, and yet there is still like interesting character beats and like greater things to say about like the human condition than the Super Mario Brothers movie. But the Super Mario Brothers movie has references to the uh, Captain Al Lou Albano show. It has every single weird little power up and bad guy from across the entire history of the series from like the little Lumas from Galaxy to the weird eel from Mario 64. Uh -huh. It has Mario doing... Uh, fun shenanigans with power-ups. It's like essential to the movie that the audience innately understands what it means to be hit. Like, do you understand yeah. how crazy that is? That like the, the video game mechanic of getting hit is like part of the narrative structure of the movie. Uh -huh. And it is the exact Mario Brothers movie I wanted to watch in 1993. Totally, yeah. This is a Mario Brothers movie I would have scribbled in washable marker in a school like notebook in first and second grade. Yeah, I have I have no issue with like the just absolute like assault of 
you know, nostalgia and remember this thing and remember this thing. I have no problem with it. I think my my issue with the film at any point, and I do really enjoy it. Like, I'm excited to watch it again with Lexi. Like, yeah. I'm ex- you know, I'm excited to like, I'm excited that it's a th- an option potentially for the future like movie watches with Winnie too. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's so successful means we're probably going to get a lot more sequels and, and spinoffs and all this kind of thing, right? I mean, if anything, I'd be like, wow, they almost blew their load. I mean, that all that Donkey Kong stuff could be its own movie almost. Like, like I hope they blew their load. <laughs> like I know, I know there's literally no reason for a publicly traded company to not make a sequel. But if they make a sequel, they can't do that song, this song and dance. Uh-huh. Again. Like this was the elder millennial victory lap, <sighs> yeah. like nostalgia kiss that I was like, I I wanted, I needed, and I loved. But I understand inherently how absolutely shallow that is. The only thing that really got to me, and I would just say like in general, whenever the movie- I know what you're going to say. When it, yeah, right. Whenever the movie became just completely an illumination film, and like lost, mm-hmm. like like honestly, I, I don't know if you heard me already complain about this, but like I don't need Beastie Boys, I don't need No Sleep Till Brooklyn, I don't need the some pop hit from No Sleep Till Brooklyn was almost uh, acceptable because they're in quote unquote the real world, and we're led to believe just from like the arcades and the style of cars and the lack of like cell phones that like we're in some kind of eighties nineties pastiche version of Brooklyn uh-huh. that that was almost appropriate. But I just don't need it. Cause I just give me the, the there's so much music. You you can fill the whole yeah. movie with just Mario and Nintendo music and everyone, everyone's going to love it. You know, no, as soon as a take on me, like all the big music stings were completely unnecessary. Totally and they unnecessary. Were the only parts where I was just, I, I, I checked my watch. Yeah. That was my watch check moment yep. was when they were doing those musical interludes. But Don't Sleep Till Brooklyn is weirdly, like, within the reality of the movie, I, like, gave that one a, I, a first pass. I And I didn't. I, I just I just was like, we don't need this. This is exactly what turns it into an Illumination movie. And what I mean by that is, like, I totally see you're totally, like, patronizing me as an audience. You think all mm-hmm. I need is, like, just some nostalgic pop hit from 30 years. And they always pick the most, like, obvious ones too Mm because it's just like look at this why wouldn't why wouldn't look at this cute little creature dancing to i will survive which is just such a fucking eye-rolly obnoxious trope to me that is just so and i totally get how it works for granddad taking his son you know the the little little Timmy to the movies, right? Because little Timmy probably loves it because it's just cool. That's what a cool dude does in a cartoon movie. He he j- runs around the city to No Sleep Till Brooklyn, and Granddad goes, "I remember No Sleep Till Brooklyn. Those were the days." And like, it's this bonding moment, and I totally understand why it's for it's the formula that I hate when I see the formula so clearly. Another example I'll use in a comedic way. And this, I bet this exists in every single Illumination movie because it definitely happened in that Minions movie we reviewed as well. Uh, when there's a crazy, chaotic action moment happening, and then it cuts to a very quiet 
house mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you just have a big window just More happens to tea, Gerald? But yeah and there's a big and window in the background crazy, yeah. and the th- crazy thing happens in the background but it's quiet and then it like busts back into the movie like sound wise and stuff mm-hmm. it's so fucking hacky stop doing it it's so lame and that's just like an example of I hate when people use the same hacky bit over and over again and like just in a different costume with a different, you know, it's kind of like hacky reoccurring characters in sketch comedy shows back in the 90s or whatever, Mm -hmm. right? It was just, this is so obvious and yet, and it's the same thing too. It almost plays in the same thing of like, I was so embarrassed for the audience I was in when I went and saw The Hangover for the first time (laughs) because the the moment from the trailer that everyone knows Mm -hmm. with Mike Tyson and the Tiger happened in the movie and everyone reacted as if they had never seen it before when I knew for a fact they all had seen it before and I'm like what is that what is that in human psychology like it's like you almost like you need like you saw the trailer and you was like I need to have this exact experience in the movie theater and then you like you have it and I'm uh, like we all saw this the phenomenon you're describing is the most popular comedy and animated film of the past 30 years you're yeah. just describing slop for the rubes i hate it It, like makes me not like it makes me depressed about the society i live in when i see stuff like that um and i just hate i just like stop doing that bit it's it's such an obvious bit you can totally fill up time in your illumination movie with this bit but it's so lame and hacky and and i know that i can't be the only person who's like come on guys really again with the quiet room with the thing crazy thing happening in the background i mean what in the hell man the uh (laughs) crazy one moment of illumination like uh obviousness that i actually enjoyed was early in the movie that entire house and sequence with the dog is just straight out of a minions movie or a secret life of pets or like like even that dog character just is completely outside of the realm of the mario brothers but they're, they are talented anime. You know, they're no Pixar. They're not even. I, I like, should have brought that up too. Yeah, the whole plumbing bit with the. You're right. I mean, it's just anytime it was fully an Illumination movie, I really was not. Oh, no. Into I was it. saying that scene was all right. I'm saying that Illumination, oh, oh, for okay. all their like hackneyed flaws, are talented animators. Sure. And that scene, like, high lit. What they do do right, which is wacky, like kind of Tex Avery physical comedy. It's just, it's just more in the writing. I think it's just more in the okay. But you're saying not, but but for me, yeah. Anytime they were like, full, and that was why really the movie didn't really be be. I think they could have spent even less time in the beginning with them in like the quote unquote oh, real world no, because that was so good. All I wanted was just give me pure Mario. Like that's all I want. I don't need the pop songs. I don't need you know the hacky comedy bits. I just want pure ass. Luigi's terrified by Bowser, who's ridiculously in love with Peach for no reason. <laughs> and Mario no reason. is so funny. fumbling all over the place. And, you know, Peach is a secret badass like that. Great. Give me that and give me all the references to the games. And I'm happy. And they really did that. They delivered on that. It was just the here and there of Illumination bullshit. That is the only thing that makes me go like, all right. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with a modern design that lets you go further and do more. The exterior is reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing, complemented by an interior built with integrity. The Defender capability is legendary. Whether you're facing off-road challenges or harsh weather conditions, its durability has been tested to the extreme. 
Powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display and award-winning infotainment system keep you connected. Innovative camera technologies deliver unobstructed views and effortless maneuvering. And robust cargo capacity means more room for your gear. Ready for a wide range of adventures, the Defender family features the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. To drive the Defender is to explore with greater confidence. Push what's possible with a vehicle made to go further. The Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. I'm going to say my favorite part of the movie might have been the opening in Real World Brooklyn because wow, especially in the 90s, especially during the Lou Albano years, Mario's like weird origins in the real world as like a rough and tumble plumber in Brooklyn being foisted into this magical world was so key to his mythology. And like mm -hmm. by Mario 64, he was just always there. Yeah. He's just in overalls. He is part of this magic canon. Um, but as a little kid, I used to like, again, you're working with such little information and like, you know, you're getting all these disparate sources like the, the, what was it? The Nintendo comic system, those weird tie-in comics, it's stuff like the Super Show, stuff like all this stuff created this mythology of Mario in my head that has been completely done away with until this movie where you got Spike from the Wrecking Crew. You got like the Punch-Out Pizzeria. You got uh, their weirdly mustachioed family. Mm -hmm. And it really just like gave me such a rush because it's an aspect of Mario that had been completely forgotten about, but it was so key to like my childhood's vision of the, what an adventure of Mario would be. All right. Lore question for you. Cause this really threw me off, especially when I was on all those edibles. So he's playing kid Icarus on an NES, he being Mario, mm -hmm. he being super Mario. Mm -hmm. So the NES and Nintendo exist in the real, quote-unquote, real world of Mario and Luigi. Not only that, there's a Donkey Kong machine. That's and if you look right. in the credits, Charles Martinezki, because that was a very funny way, just right off the bat, to acknowledge yes. the elephant in the room. He is that has Charles a moment Martinez right up top. Just be like, I think the accent is great. Yeah, they did. That was great. That was a fun, immediate. That character in the credits, that character's name is Jumpman. Jump Man. That's funny. So there's a whole B, there's a whole weird side thing happening. Which is ridiculous because that voice didn't happen until Mario 64. So well beyond the Jumpman era of Donkey Kong. For you know, you probably know this, but Mario, before Mario was Mario, he was Jumpman in the Donkey Kong game. And Kid Icarus is such a fucking like nerdy. It's just yeah. a slightly nerdier choice. There was another game too. There was one other one. That I couldn't even tell what it was that I that was in there as well on the early part, but another NES game. But yeah, Kid Icarus was a weird choice. But then 
does the game Super Mario Bros exist in that world or does it exist after Mario goes through the pipe because that's how the games become real in the real world or what are we saying here? I think they wanted me to see Kid Icarus on the screen right. and hoop my little seal paws together and go, oh, that's it's Kid Icarus. And it worked and I loved it. But I kind of wish they had put it, bedded it down a little bit more. Like why? Okay, so there's NES exists and all the other games exist. And even Jumpman, even a version of Mario in a sort of way exists in the real world. So does that mean Super Mario I mean, Bros. Exists? Cranky Kong exists in this world. So we could have had like an implied backstory where that one Charles Martinet character actually fought Cranky Kong back in the day. We don't know. All right. Well, let's talk about For, uh, it. Pauline, I mean, Pauline's the mayor. April fucking hit it, dude. I couldn't believe even and I knew it was coming. We knew still, going in. We knew going I in. I knew it was coming and still I just was in awe when uh, unfortunately we don't really get like the lines. You do get Donkey Kong is here. Yeah. But you just hear DK. <laughs> Donkey Kong, like that's all you hear. Were you already on your feet? Like, I was hoping for a little bit more of the rap. I was hoping for a little bit more of the rap. Gun, gun, it fires. Fire and spurts, and everybody's like, sit down. What's wrong with you? (laughs) It was, I was You're scaring my child and delighting my other slightly weirder child. I was just, well, honestly, we'll talk about that too. I want to talk about our our personal audience experiences because I was kind of let down by mine. But Mm. no, I. Uh, uh, just was so blown away that it's like I conjured it real. You know, sometimes in this world where you're just creating all this content, you create these inside jokes. I know I'm not the first person to find the DK rap to be amazing. I, and- I will just to do a little bit of internet for no- uh, meme right. phrenology here. The reason why we covered it in the episode is because it was a meme. Right. And the reason why it was a meme is because enough kids that grew up in the uh, 90s and 2000s were old enough to make dumb memes about the weird song in the totally and a, and and a rap song about the characters and what they can do in the game it is so wild for any time period specifically that time period I, I do miss the era in which everybody had a rap <laughs> that was that was also like from only the earliest era of rap, like in terms of like the flow of it and everything, it's like always has to be from run DMC or before version of what rap was, which was a very rudimentary version of rapping, right? I did it in the beginning of our recording. Like literally the movie opens with Mario's cheesy 90s rap. Yes, which was was fucking awesome. Yeah. So that was super cool. And it really does push even more on me. Like, I didn't realize, like, how big of a deal. I thought maybe we would just get Donkey Kong. No, they brought in all, like, all of country, like, pretty mm-hmm. much. I mean, they didn't bring all the characters in. But, you know, you got Cranky Kong. You got this whole arena, this, like, monkey arena where they're battling and stuff. And I immediately was like, we're getting spinoffs. And I bet, dude, as much as that that meme has been going around, by the way, or that graphic that's not real of, like... Mario movie, Phase two. Uh, Zelda, Kirby, 
Mario 2 and the lead up to Smash, the movie, is like, you know, is not real. But I think it might become real pretty soon because of how well this movie did. I mean, aren't they kind of morons to not push into a universe? They have shareholders. They literally have no choice. Um, I will say it's interesting that the Donkey Kong Country was like the... They did a lot of like the the strongest redesign I would say was to uh Donkey Kong's design specifically uh-huh. because famously Nintendo hates the rare design. They hate like they ended on bad terms with rare and they hate that this like awkward early 90s CG abomination is like one of their canon characters. Um but the world itself was very much more like the uh, retro studios mm-hmm. Donkey Kong Country than the rare Donkey And I guess when you've done what we do and just have so much fucking Nintendo history just kicking around our brains, it just made every single shot of this movie compelling to watch. Oh, just yeah. every little thing like, oh, that's from like Yoshi's Island. Oh, that's from like, uh, you know, Mario 2. Is retro the punch out? game on Wii because that's what I feel like they most aped for the design pun intended of Donkey Kong like that 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 feels varies if you look up him uh, and I really like punch out Wii uh, it's a really fun game and he's like the secret character at the end and he's really fucking hard I don't even know if I ever beat him he was like the character you unlocked by like beating everybody without getting knocked down or something like that it was like really hard to just unlock him no uh, punch out we was next level games which also did Luigi's Mansion 3 well if you look at that and DK Luigi's Mansion, that right are you looking at it that is pretty similar I feel like to to the movie one for sure I think mm-hmm. Uh, but what's what's retro? Is retro Smash or no? Uh, no, retro is uh, Donkey Kong Country uh, Returns and Tropical oh, Freeze. Sure, and and yeah, that definitely. It feels like they definitely were pulling and the Metroid. It, Prime. it seems like they were definitely pulling from uh from the the newer iterations from from Tropical Freeze specifically and, and the one that came right before for. The look of a lot of things in that Donkey Kong segment, right? Like I said, that whole arena felt like a boss fight arena from Mm -hmm. the Donkey Kong, like the newer Donkey Kong, for sure. And Cranky and everything. Because I think even, did they even give voice to Cranky in the games? Like, I don't think so. But still, like his whole... No, he's always just like, eh, eh. Yeah. Instead of, uh, what's, who, who was the voice... It was Fred Armisen doing like uh, there's a lot of voice choices that was kind of weird. Like Fred Armisen was doing like a Larry David thing. Mm -hmm. I feel like everything about Donkey Kong's character makes me think they wanted like John Cena or The Rock or something. And they just went down the list and ended up at uh, Seth Rogen. It was very weird. Mm -hmm. But um, I this is okay. We're all over the place. We're all over the place. But I just need to know, how did you feel about that, like, dark comedy Luma character that kept just, like, whispering fucked up shit? See, that's the thing that, that I think is fun. Like, that kind of stuff I liked is that stuff felt like a good version of an Illumination choice, mm. right? Like, it was weird. It was kind of out of sorts. But, I mean, one of the fun things about Mario is you have all this iconography, but you can really give, you can really fill a lot of things out, mm-hmm. you know, like in terms of the different characters. Because, yeah, like, 
sure, we all remember the Lumas from Galaxy, but like, what do we remember about them? Just the kind of iconic nature of their look. Yeah. But other than that, you could really apply anything to them. So it was fun to just see them make a fun comedic choice. I thought that was great. What What did you think? I didn't dig it, but the audience was loving it. Uh, like just huge pops every time that thing said something. Th- about, th- like, this feeds. Okay, let me just quickly talk about my audience experience. Yeah. I walked in. There was like two guys in the back. I, there was maybe there was very few people in the audience, and of course, the then I was I already screamed about this on page seven. But I will say one of the I love assigned seats, except for the part where when you get tickets to a movie that and the the theater's empty, and then this group of kids just sit down directly behind you. Um, mm-hmm. right after you got everything set up and the movies already started. So it's like awkward to get up and move. And also I feel awkward. I socially awkward about getting up and moving. Yeah. Like I'm being a dick or something or I whatever, mean, but it's like, it's, I, it's explicitly like, Hmm. Fat. Like you've watched right, too much not... Nickelodeon to be like, ew, children, even though yeah, there's I mean, no it... reason you need to expose yourself. Like, well, I think they were like kids in their 20s, by the way. It wasn't like kids, kids. Uh, it was just like, but still, that's a very different. But still, I don't want to mess with anything, you know, whatever. So I hate that part. But anyways, that was I, I just went when I went to the bathroom and I came back, I like grabbed my beers and like moved down a little ways. Mm. But it was just so annoying. I'm like, guys, you guys can sit anywhere in this movie. Like, why are you sitting right behind me? This is crazy. There's completely empty. And then they were like silent. They were dead silent the entire time. Like I, it was weird. And then there was like one weird guy in the back who was going like, Oh, Oh, oh." like he just, he had stuff going on Mm -hmm. clearly. And like, was laughing at weird times and like that was the only person I had as a laugh track and it was just <laughs> making me feel uncomfortable. Peaches, 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 peaches. And the whole time there's just a guy going like right. Yes. Excellent. Here's my other annoying as fuck thing that happened. Of course, I need to use the bathroom only once in the entire showing, and I miss the fucking miss peaches, peaches song. And I'm so pissed. I mean, I'm definitely going to watch this movie again, but I was so mad because I I purposely didn't like watch the video mm-hmm. or whatever that came out on YouTube and anything because I wanted to like experience it in the theater. And I came back in and I saw Bowser like smashing his fist on a piano, and I was like, "Fuck!" <laughs> and 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 it was the one time it seemed like everybody in the room was reacting too, and I just like missed it. I was so mad. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with a modern design that lets you go further and do more. The exterior is reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing, complemented by an interior built with integrity. The Defender capability is legendary. Whether you're facing off-road challenges or harsh weather conditions, its durability has been tested to the extreme. Powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display and award-winning infotainment system keep you connected. Innovative camera technologies deliver unobstructed views and effortless maneuvering. And robust cargo capacity means more room for your gear. Ready for a wide range of adventures, the Defender family features the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. To drive the Defender is to explore with greater confidence. Push what's possible with a vehicle made to go further. The Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. 
That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com/activecash. I mean, it just really highlights how great of a performer Jack Black is yeah. cuz like it, it's all, I, I think they said it was like something they improvised in the recording booth and then they like added a backing track to it. But it's like, no, it's fun. It like, again, it's it's the way that Jack Black took the character of Bowser, who in modern intent, you know, I'm not talking like I'm going to get those plumbers like 90s, 80s King Koopa. Like modern Bowser is like. This, like, angry, fiery, demonic, but somewhat goofy, like, naive romantic. Mm -hmm. And Jack Black just put words, you know. Yeah. If you were watching a cutscene Nintendo game, he'd just be going, like, uh, uh." but it's just Jack Black giving it words, and he does a really good job. He killed it. I mean, yeah, I guess it's good. I'm sorry. I am so Did I drink coffee before (laughs) record? I'm really hyped up. I really enjoyed talking about this movie. My audience mix, I saw this on a Monday at noon because I have a very fortunate work from home situation and I can do that. Right. Um, I was the only unaccompanied adult man and it felt (laughs) awkward. It did feel awkward. Uh, Lots of little kids with like grandparents. Yes. And I don't know if the grandparents got all of the references, but, you know, if they have children, my, you know, if their kids are my age. They definitely had a Nintendo in the house. Like, who knows what level they appreciated Or that. even at some holiday was forced to sit down and play a round of Mario Kart on the newer system. Or at the uh, all-inclusive resort where they had a LodgeNet TV in their hotel <laughs> and they just, like, sat and played Nintendo on a remote control. Whatever they did. Um, and then the other half of the audience, I would say, was um, what I can charitably call Funko Couples. Just like uh, uh, male-female pairs, uh, just completely decked in pop culture, licensed ephemera, <laughs> just like eating big buckets of popcorn together. And um, at a certain point, when because they're, again, Monday, noon, the uh, popcorn line was like going really slowly. I just turned behind me and um, just said, how do you do, fellow Nintendo adults? And they nodded politely, and I just said, mm-hmm, and then I turned back around. <laughs> Uh, cause I, that's my problem. That's how I exist. <laughs> but it was a very interesting mix of like how there's three to four generations all familiar with Mario as a character, oh, yeah. all like converging to see this movie. And from the producer's perspective, the only thing they had to do was not alienate any single one of them. Yeah. Pretty much. And I think they did a great job of that. And I think, again, it's like professional wrestling. Like, even if you don't know the deal, the, you know, I always say with professional wrestling, like, you should really be able to communicate the dynamic of the drama going on in any kind of, mm-hmm. like, fight or wrestling match just very quickly, very clearly, because that that's them doing a, the good job. And in this, I mean, the dynamic of Bowser being a scary, big, scary monster, but he's, like, just desperately in love with Princess Peach and, you know, all 
all that kind of stuff should just and Luigi's scared about everything and <laughs> you know this that and the other right like you should just know all of those literally things. wandering around with a flashlight in a haunted spooky abandoned castle totally like, they know what they're doing that was so smart too to like immediately split them up put Luigi in like a scary place so he can be scared and then put Mario in you know his his like just colorful pretty world where he's mm-hmm. like trying to you know f- flirt and, and court Princess Peach and learn all the ropes because he's doing more of the fish out of water story mm-hmm. right and and that was really smart as well um, I thought that was great but yeah it's just so clearly communicated to find and then on top of that like Honestly, even just right now, like I'm just to give myself a little like a little flavor so I can talk about stuff better. Like I pulled up, you know, Google Image Search to Mario Bros. movie. And man, this movie is so colorful, so pleasing on the eye. I just absolutely mm-hmm. love the world that they built in terms of or like the world that they adapted because they really nailed that simple, beautiful magic that Mario can have in like a new Mario game. Like, because that's always the feeling, right? Because I even threw on Mario 64 last night for for just a couple seconds. Um, and yeah, even just that opening where you're just in this beautiful, magical, like pr- Princess Peach Kingdom and everything's just green and clear and the sky is nice and blue. And it's just such an inviting world that gradually gets more uninviting, you know, as <laughs> it goes. But they just did a great job capture. It's almost like too much. It almost feels like my eyes are going to like burn off or something because of how vibrant and beautiful. But I just love that about it. I think they did such a good job of making everything just so it's just the opposite of the Mario movie that came out in 1993. Just it's so clean and crisp and pretty and appealing. And yeah, that's what makes it so hard to talk about my feelings about this movie is if it wasn't for the fact that I've lived a full adult life with Mario as this constant, like early companion and presence and, just this wealth of feelings associated with this property to the point of even just yearning for a clean, bouncy, colorful video game reference filled Mario movie this entire time. It completely just like changes what I want from this movie. And it delivered it in a way that like you read some of the uh, quotes from critics who don't have that connection and they don't eat. They don't understand anything about what's happening. They don't get like, Bowser, they don't get like the dynamics of what's at play. You know, the reason why the uh, usually when there's such a drastic difference between the critic score and the audience score on a movie, usually because of some culture war bullshit. But really, it feels like the generation gap and the video game gap is really strong this time around. Yeah, I, th- I don't know, man. I had a blast. I had, I had such a great blast. time. Yeah, I think that they definitely you're right. They didn't make a movie for film critics and they didn't make a movie for like film people. They made a movie for video game people. And they for the first time, I felt actually, you know, treated mm-hmm. by an ex- video game experience. And I, I mean, we finally made it. I mean, I guess I knew it was going to happen eventually. Huh. But between this and Last of Us on, on HBO, it, it, it's kind of like astounding how solid you know how 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 far we've come when it comes to video game adaptations into film and television 
in different ways too. Like last of us is so specific and cinematic and, and dark and heavy and dealing with all these kinds of things. And then, uh, you know, Mario is just this fluff piece, you know, but it's like the, wow, they're cracking the code on all of it all at once. And part of me was wondering whether or not I would have liked a more, cynical, ironic kind of comedy movie. No. Because this is the same team that did Teen Titans Go. Or something like the Lego movie. No, no. But but that's not Mario. If it was a different... Um, I could see it uh, applying that to a different property. You know what I mean? Like a Crash Bandicoot movie or something like that, um, which will never happen. Make that one the meta one, the winking one, no, the, yeah. the, the snarky one. I would one. have hated this to be snarky because that's what's... That, that taps into what's beautiful about Mario. Mario's genuine. Mario is just totally we want you to just have a wonderful time with this genuine experience and you know and it is for kids and i think it's for adult to turn adults into kids you know mm-hmm. if anything it's to make an adult more childlike like because we've all been scared like luigi and we've all felt out of place like mario and we've all felt like a badass princess bitch like peach and we've all desperately pi- felt like a monster that desperately pined for the princess you know like it's all simple tropes being handed to us in very broad comedy ways and that's all you know all all i need between that and just the very one-to-one reference of here's Mario one bullshit. Here's Mario two bullshit. Here's Mario three bullshit. Here's the fucking cat suit. Here's Mario 3d world here. You know what I mean? Just hand me all of that shit genuinely. And, and I, you know, I think the only thing that would have made me balk was that. And the only thing that made me balk about this film, which by the way, didn't by any means make the film like not enjoyable or whatever, but it's just the thing I kind of rolled my eyes at was just like, if this wasn't here, the movie would be better for it. And that was just like the fucking, I forgot all the songs that they referenced, but like the Beastie Boys songs, the one that's the front of my head, take on me, me. you know, and even if they were like, even ended it on uh, ELO, Mr. Blue Sky, which is yeah, even if, even if they had had uh, uh, picked like cooler songs, I think one of the things that really annoys me with Illumination movies, they pick such like uh, obviously anno- like just such blatant like choices. It's like, ugh, this was so lazy. Yeah. Like, oh, it's just so lazy to do this to pick. I will survive and have a f- quirky little animal, <laughs> you know, cartoon animal singing it and dancing to it. I mean, I hated it. For, I remember when my dad would just couldn't get over the Happy Feet trailer have you seen that commercial for happy feet and i'm like i it makes me want to blow my brains out this is the hackiest corn and that was to me when i was in was a kid Mm -hmm. i thought that was the hackiest shit ever you know what i mean so yeah i mean i i just have been living in this reality since then this hacky uh happy feet was who let the dogs out right it was just such an obnoxious awful choice it was like so bad it was like this is the this was already a hacky song to make fun of or like put in something in a comedy sense so anyways it's only when that kind of stuff happens or when at least like the whatchamacallit the little blue star what's his name again i forget the name for the galaxy lumily or something the lumo whatever even that like that's been done before for sure, but that felt just a little less uncreative, at least like a little funnier. That was just like the, the lines were darkly random in a way that just worked. Whereas like the bit with the, you know, crazy action scene and then the quiet room. And I, I mean, I hate that I'm only using like two examples, the BC boys song and that, but like the, I I'm sure on a rewatch, I could write down a few more, 
And you know what I actually really love about the movie though is outside it's it isn't too many examples of it and they you know really didn't lean on that kind of shit too much one and and that's kind of why I I feel the opposite of you Jake and that once they're just in the Mario like in the world in the Toadstool Kingdom and everything they're relying a lot more I think on like the Nintendo video game aspect of oh, everything yeah, yeah, yeah. And living in that is way more fun to me than any of those pop songs or dumb comedy scenes. I'm not you know? defending the pop song. I'm defending. I defended the "Don't Sleep Till Brooklyn," but the rest of it is bullshit. Um. All right. Last thing before we move on to uh, Super Nintendo World, mm-hmm. we got it. To the elephant in all of all elephants. Yes. Let's go back. I, me- I mentioned the elephant in the room earlier, and then we we talked went back to audience. But yes, of course. You know, and I think we're going to have the same verdict that I've already heard from plenty of people. The Chris Pratt voice of Mario, I think, was just incredibly serviceable. It did mm-hmm. not. Offend. I think I'm also like, I know he's got some questionable politics for sure and like affiliated with that church, which is weird. And he's like just the archetype of that, like Mr. Perfect guy that's also super religious that you just hated like at your high school. Mm-hmm. I don't think I have as big of a problem with Chris Pratt as everybody wants me to have. You know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. everybody feels like we all need to have now. I don't mind him. And I think maybe it's also coming from like seeing him because we're researching Guardians of the Galaxy right now. So I'm like watching him in that first movie. And he does a great job in that movie. Mm-hmm. You know, he kills that part. And I think he didn't like kill Mario. I didn't like regret my words and deeds mm-hmm. of being cynical about him getting cast the voice of Mario and uh, whatnot. But I did feel like he totally did a great job. It was totally serviceable. I don't, you know, I don't know if that other what Martinez uh, voice would have been serviceable for an hour and a half long movie. I don't know. Like Maybe it would have been that but. scene towards the end where his like arm is broken and he's like cowering behind a pizza booth and he's like struggling to like stand. I don't know if it would have had the same gravity if the whole time Martin a was like, Oh, yeah. my bones. Now did it need to be Chris Pratt? I bet if anybody else had been cast, like no one would have even had a issue. Yeah. But it just happens that he is just in this position where he's just easy to hate right now. And again, I get it. If you feel like it's just so weird right now with this kind of thing, because I think somebody could come to me and be like, no, fuck that guy. This church is fucked. His association's horrible. And I'm sorry to tell you, it just doesn't affect my day to day as much. And I'm sorry that it doesn't. And maybe it should. Maybe that's a privilege thing or whatever. But uh, it just doesn't. I'm I'm sick of pretending like the church Chris Pratt once belonged to's shitty politics have any real effect on my mentality, especially when it comes to him voicing a dumb cartoon character in a movie. Is that okay? Can I say that? Uh, We'll find out. I'm sorry. It just, it's just so stupid. You know what I mean? And he just, he was fine. And I think most everyone is saying that. And, you know, I think obviously the powerhouse voice, I mean, what was it for you before we move on to the other voices? I think he did a reasonable job. I think Chris Pratt uh, deals in a very specific kind of uh, Andy from Parks and Rec to uh, Star-Lord vacillation between uh, determined man of action and innocent hopeful, naive guy. And Mario in this movie is that kind of character. And I think he did a very passable job. And um, at no point did he take me out of the movie. Lord knows uh, 
religious institutions I have been members of has said stuff I absolutely do not agree with and would never repeat. And up until the day someone corners Chris Pratt and like forces him down and been like, gay people, yes or no, answer the question. Yes or no, Chris Pratt. We can maybe just be blissfully ignorant. I will say he did Anna Faris dirty. And that is uh, oh, that yeah, is unforgivable that in my eyes. Sure, I just again, you know, I, I mean, I'm not inviting him to my wedding, and exactly. I'm not wishing him the best. Exactly, I'm. I'm again. I think that people we got to start separating some of this stuff and not like you know, yeah. And some of it doesn't shouldn't be separated. I feel a little counterpoint. Counterpoint. Hear me out though. If you've ever been a jerk to me in my personal life, you should have your professional career affected by it. Yeah. I believe that sincerely. And I don't feel the same way about, let's say, like J.K. Rowling and and associating yourself with that property. I feel more complicated about. But I think when it comes to Chris Pratt, like, I think the hate is a little over the top. Mm. I just don't care. Like, I, I know you want me to care so bad about his relationship with Anna Ferris, But you know what? I just don't give a <laughs> fuck. Like, I've made mistakes in my life. And... You know, it, and I'm, I just don't care, to be quite honest with you. It just it gets to a point, you know what I mean, where I'm like, I get that, like, I need to, you know, and I don't like again, I don't fucking love the guy. So uh, it's, you know, that is what it is. Well, people, I mean, it's a big talking point, though. You know, I mean, Jake's like, wrap it up, wrap it up. But <laughs> I just I get it. But I don't know. I It's, I, you know, it's such a big talking point. So I feel like it has to be addressed for sure. But hey, he did the thing. He went Wahoo. And he did it in a way that was uh, didn't make me want to find the man who voiced it and murder him. Um, the other voices, I thought Anya Taylor-Joy did a great job. And really the standout, of course, is Jack Black. He absolutely fucking killed it. Uh, anything else? And I hope Pedro Pascal voices Wario. Fred Armisen's no angel either, but let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> right? He's Yeah, okay. So funny. But... I'm only talking about a, a, a Mario world that I saw with my eyes and with my imagination. You got to visit mm-hmm. a, a world of flesh and uh, mostly what I what looks like fiberglass, <laughs> mostly fiberglass, a world of Mario. And I desperate to find out what your experience was like. Yeah, uh, it was super cool. I mean, it's one of those, and I feel like this is just a thing when it comes to Universal Studios, uh, Hollywood in general. I think there's always in the back of your head, you're like, man, I really want to see this in, uh, in Orlando. Like, it is, it's a fraction of the experience that you get in Tokyo or will get in Orlando, but just be for sheer real estate purposes. Um, but that said, I thought it was very cool. I I want to go back. I I already promised Lexi we'd go back uh, and experience it, the two of us. Um, I think one of the things that I regret is I didn't get a wristwatch. I will say they're a bit pricey. It was like forty five bucks. That's insane. Yeah, that is absolutely because it's it's not a watch, right? It That's is the not the problem. It I think if it had a little bit of an if it had any more of an aspect to it that made it something you would want to wear or like have around outside of the park other than just pure decoration like it's definitely something that would look cool on your trinket shelf you know for sure like along with your other stuff it's but, literally just an nfc chip in a plastic housing like that is 45 dollars is insane it felt a bit steep to me none of us bought one i feel like i should have bought one though because 
the experience is very reliant on you getting that thing mm. um, for sure. Because with, with that uh, outside of, first of all, getting into Toadstool Cafe is like crazy hard to do. You have to. Did you make it? No, you, you've got to get go to the park when it opens and like put in a reservation and like hope you get selected Aww. to get to go into it. It's just very it, right now. That's the other problem, too, is like right now it's at its apex of popularity and like you can't even get into Super Nintendo World with unless you have an express pass, which gets you to the front of the line of all the other rides in the park. Mm. Like you can't even get in unless you have the fancier pass and it doesn't get and then and that pass doesn't get you to the front of the line of the Mario Kart ride. So you have to wait in the full line for the Mario Kart ride, which was two plus hours unless you have the like nutty rich person. There's like a crazier jump 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 to the front of the line you know what i mean there's like a crazier experience you can pay insane about like a thousand dollars for yeah and that'll get you to the front of the line did you see the people passing you in front of the line did they look fancy did they look rich they looked a little fancy they looked a little fancy um but but yeah i can't uh, believe you didn't get to try such delights from the toad cafe like i know piranha plant mozzarella caprese or the superstar chicken salad it just would the food would obviously be fine i'm sure it wouldn't be bad from what i've heard it's not bad it's good it's good food but we weigh more about just like seeing the decorations and seeing the cute things they do and yada 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 but yeah of course you can't get in there so then you're kind of like honestly it was like we did the ride. It was so much fun to just look at the park. Like there were so many details. Um, I'm getting old. I'm starting to enjoy almost the line experience almost a little more sometimes than like the actual rides because there's just so many cool things. And I'm talking about like all the line experiences because now they put you're either watching clips of Simpsons television shows or you're you're looking at all these cool like Harry Potter props and stuff or you're you know or in this case you're you're entering Bowser's castle and there's this like big statue of Bowser and then they have like all the trophies from Mario Kart and then you're walking through Bowser's castle you get to see his throne and you know different like crazy rooms full of cool shit to look at from you know, the Nintendo franchise or whatever, right? And all that lead up and everything is really fun. The problem was, like, that doesn't kick in until about halfway through the line experience. So there's a solid hour plus there of, like, not very fun to look at line. Oh, you're literally just in the DMV queue. Like, there's just just nothing to do. Pounding that edible. Just eat it and just (laughs) enjoy. You know what I mean? And also, by the way, they're going to say it's three hours and it's two hours. You know what I mean? And Mm. that just, I think, is what keeps the line not being three hours and keeps your expectations better. There's there's something inherently gross about like something dehumanizing. Like we we become less than noble apes. We become cattle in that like amusement park queue. And you're just like, hey, we're moving. Well, and one, hey, one interest we're moving. And that is so true. And the way they bottleneck things. So like when you enter Bowser's Castle, you have this interesting moment where you like feel this major sense of progression. Cause as you enter Bowser's Castle, that statue's there, and pretty much everybody takes a picture in front of that statue. And then as soon as you're done doing that, all of a sudden you go shoop and you like kind of fast walk all the way around this you know into into the next and there's all those little bottleneck moments where you're like held back held back and then and then boom the, the gates open and you get to like fly forward in the line essentially mm. and they do that on purpose to not make you flip out <laughs> and the other thing is 
the other thing I learned from from a little bird was like the line experience is such a huge part of how they manage people at theme parks. Right. Like there's so much put into creating those lines. Those lines aren't just like they have to deal with all these people wanting to ride this ride. So they have to like, no, no, no. They love the line because what are they going to do with all these people? All these people are flooding into the theme park and they need to be able to put them in a tight space where they can like slowly herd them so that the rest of the park doesn't get completely overwhelmed with people. Yes. So that's like them just managing managing people with those giant line experiences like that's how they if do it the lines didn't exist in a miracle world where like you just got on got on the ride got out you would not be able to walk yeah from one ride to the other because the rides are literally absorbing crowds yes and holding them there for the sake of human traffic it's, i guess it's something that like should be obvious but is kind of interesting to think about and talk about like that yeah. The, yeah they need those lines to to make the theme park not a complete shit show. I wish the Express Pass, by the way, this is a little side gripe. I wish the Express Pass had, there was like a, a special uh, food line for the Express Pass. Because mm-hmm. like every other aspect of the park takes forever. Mm-hmm. Even with the Express Pass, right? Even when you pay that extra money. And I wish that they would add some, you can get food and drink a little bit more easily or better that way because that is still like just such a weird difficult we ended up getting these like horrible sandwiches from this like awful kind of off to the side place and it just wasn't a good scene what but what was on your terrible sandwich i just gotta know it was like turkey really bad it was or no ham us like a sliver of ham a slice of cheese and then like way too much like dry bad lettuce and the bread was bad and we were so disappointed it was so bad i was like yeah it was definitely one of those weird moments of like i literally have to put this in me so i don't become a maniac well it was only 15 (laughs) dollars yeah and it was so expensive okay so what 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 is this mario kart ride Okay, let's talk about the Mario Kart ride, and then I want to talk about like the experience as a whole and some of the things I gleamed off of my little bird. So uh, the Mario Kart ride itself is, there's I would just describe it as, there's a lot going on, and that because there are layers. And it's kind of to a point where I don't know how to feel about it. I want to ride it a couple more times. I think that, like, I feel like it could it, they could s- s- strip it down a little bit for a better experience. But at the same time, I also like love that they're trying something really new and they're kind of pulling it off. Mm -hmm. So, so, you know, you're, and and I guess what I would say to you is if, if you, if this all sounds too overwhelming for you, all I would do is like take off that visor that they give you and just experience the ride without the AR component. Cause this is the thing. It is a, it is a like dark room ride, right? Like in other words, you're like on a track in a Mario Kart. There's four people to a cart and you're moving along a track and there's just, and it's pushing you into different spaces with different things going on. Right. And there's like the cloud place and there's clouds like blowing air onto you and stuff like that. There's, you know, just all the, the desert and just all the different types of cart tracks there are, you know, it kind of gives you that on top of that, they give you these visors with this, like, yeah, like just long visor that goes across the eyes, but it is kind of like, not su- I wish you would, I wish almost that it the visor went like all the way down to like your mouth. That's a bad idea. <laughs> you don't want weird or, or down pat maybe breath. just down to like right above your nostril because like it's thin and like every all this actions happening in this like thin space that as you move your head it kind of moves with you. Mm. And I just 
maybe if it was more like encompassing, like I think maybe if I could kind of move my head around and see more like and have everything be a little bit more like in my uh, uh, movement of my neck. So it's not like holodeck technology or like, okay, it's worse head tracking than say the quest that you have. Like maybe, it doesn't yeah. really keep up with you. And by the way, this was going to make, uh, apparently this was initially going to be maybe a VR only experience. Ooh, they did VR Mario Kart in Japan for a little bit. They, they played with a lot of different options to come to this final <laughs> conclusion when it comes to, and by the way, the bird, was unable to, t- to get get too super into the Mario Kart stuff from that mm-hmm. end, but um, I'll definitely just say like like you've got not only do you have a very practical dark room ride that you're you're in right, which is really cool. Then you add this air component, and that is showing you all the other racers, including like the Koopalings, and you have like good guy racers, like you know there's Luigi and you know whatever, right? There's like the good good team. Is there like a in in, in all in Back to the Future the ride in the Simpsons ride in a lot of these like in the Spider Man ride? There's usually like a plot of some kind where like you're chasing after somebody. Or they I mean, like, it's the beauty of Mario, though. Yeah, your Bowser's challenged you to Bowser and his Koopalings have challenged you to a race. The thing you're talking about, I want to get into of the gamifying of the whole park, and that is really fucking cool. But we'll talk about that in just a second. The thing I didn't get the watch for that I really regret that next time I go, I'm definitely going to get a watch, even though it's that expensive, because like so much of the experience of the park relies on you getting the watch and doing the mini games. But we'll talk about that in a second. So I just in the Mario Kart ride, is there a moment where like in your visor? Luigi drives up to you and he's like, I'm going to give you a boost so you can catch a Bowser. Or like, is there um, stuff no, happening? You're, you're on the cart with all the people. Well, okay. So on your steering wheel, you've got two red buttons and you can turn the steering wheel. Mm-hmm. And so in your visor, you're seeing the other people. And what you're trying to do, by the way, is like the whole competition is how many coins you can get. Uh, by the by the end of the ride and there's a leaderboard there's like a leaderboard for like the day for like the week and for that specific ride henry got the most coins i think he beat me by like two coins uh you're getting slow so what'll happen is on the visor it'll give you the like arrow to the right or the arrow to the left and you need to turn your uh turn your wheel in that direction to like get the coins for that to 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 do that then you also um, can shoot the shells. You don't want to shoot like the good guys, like you know Luigi or whatever. But you want to shoot all the Koopalings and Bowser, right? And it kind of ends with like almost like a boss fight mm. with Bowser, where he's where you're just th- they give you infinite shells. But that's the whole thing is up until then you have a finite amount of shells that you keep to you get to keep recollecting mm-hmm. by like getting more items so you can like run out of shells so you want to like manage your shells they gamified it they gamified a dark room ride and right does this distract from the uh dark ride aspect like if you're focusing on the ride are you missing shit uh, yeah <laughs> yes I think the issue that some people walked away with that I kind of agree with, but I also it just makes me want to like play it again and like see everything and whatever is that. Yes, there's a lot of layers. And especially for someone like Jackie, who's not super video game minded, it's like pretty fucking overwhelming. Because you you're know. just you just want to enjoy Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, but now you got a thing on yeah. your face being like incorrect, wrong, wrong. You missed it. So, so well, no, they don't. They never make you feel like you're fucking up. But, but they definitely like. 
it's just the kind of thing and like people are just like this and I don't really get it fully because I'm just not like this. Like I'm just very game minded. Like, but there's a lot of people out there where even if it's very simple rules, like turn the wheel in the direction we're telling you to turn the wheel when that pops up or you can shoot people with shells, they immediately feel overwhelmed Mm. and like alienated from the experience right because they've already told themselves that they don't do games mm-hmm. or they're bad at games or they're bad at learning rules and or like you just presented them with the option of failure which already is like i never wanted yeah. an option to fail or or just with the concept of competition mm-hmm. you know and they're just not there to compete you know and then of course you got me being like if you fuck up because <laughs> apparently we all have to turn the wheel to get the coins <laughs> <laughs> we all have to turn the wheel to get the coins like if, or, or we don't get the coins. So I'm like, if you fuck this up, I'm going to murder you. So the ride doesn't doesn't uh, make you feel like you're failing. <laughs> but if I'm riding with you, you're like left, left, you piece of yes, shit. I said totally, turn left. Totally. And, you know, so that whole element's going on. So they, they heard you in once you're done with Bowser's Castle and the whole line experience. They heard you into this big room and there's TV screens and I took pictures of this. You can see on my Instagram. And but I didn't like I didn't shoot video of the actual. But they like they go through a very they very clearly explain to you all of these things. And like they re-explain it and then they re-explain it again. And I mean, again, we're talking very simple shit. Turn the wheel in the direction. Shoot people with the shells. You, you this is how you put the helmet on. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then they move you into the next room. They hand you the helmet thing. And you put in the thing, you know. And another thing, by the way, is that watch that you, you're supposed to get, you you tap that on the steering wheel and it'll like... Link to your it'll score log your watch. for the whole world. It'll add to your score because it's all about... The cool thing I think that they did that is also very experimental, so there's ins and outs of whether or not it works every time they do it, is they give you that like gamification mm-hmm. of the whole park, of the whole Nintendo world, at least, in the park. So yeah, so I think I think it definitely suffers from like maybe too many layers. Um, but it's also really fascinating and it's really novel and interesting and new, which I'm drawn to. So it's the kind of thing that I don't because obviously I'm not gonna get back into a two hour line. It's the kind of thing that was very frustrating to have that two hour line experience just because I just wanted to try it again and like it's the kind of ride where I just feel like you you can't get it in the first experience of it because mm-hmm. there's just so much happening that you just can't you know also it was really fun to watch the big fat person that couldn't get on be beaten I to death and chained I was gonna ask I was gonna ask Jackie was so scared she was gonna be too big we're like you're not gonna be too big it's like you have to be you I'm know. a man of ample carriage I'm a man of significant hip and tummy and I got this burly barrel chest which makes me a real hit down in uh, the clubs and do they give you um, a test chair somewhere along the ride to like <laughs> know for a fa- this? These are like real concerns. I forget. I feel like they should have. They definitely do that for a Harry Potter ride where you mm-hmm. get to like sit in it to make sure. I feel like they just they always do it. So I, f- I have to feel like they do it, but I'm not sure. I don't know. Did they did you see anybody get asked to leave? I didn't see anybody get asked to leave. I should have been a little more observant of that, but I didn't see anybody not be able to get on. And did and Jackie made the cut and Jackie made the cut. OK, for sure. But because heard- in terms of chest diameter, we are a little similar. I knew Jackie was going to make the cut, though. And there were people slightly bigger or, or just bigger than Jackie that I know made the cut. But okay. I also do know people who 
didn't make. I, I think I know of one person who didn't make the cut, or maybe they didn't make the cut on the Harry Potter ride. It sucks. Mm. It's not fun. Ed finally just lost enough weight to ride that Harry Potter ride. Uh, it's got to be a shitty feeling. I'm sure he tried to go on it and they wouldn't let him. And you got to feel like shit for that. I mean, especially when it's like a weight size issue because then you're really going to be like i can't it's have... happened to me it's happened to me i don't yeah it's not when a good did feeling. you not which one did you not get on um, the harry potter ride no no not in uh orlando uh i went to some like rinky dink um like to the point where it's like a historic site like old wooden roller coaster that i used to ride on all the time when oh. i was a kid and it was i think uh like last summer i went back there and they just like they changed uh they changed from like a general lap bar to like a new harness system and i wasn't down with it and i was like fuck and it was gotcha. like a real kick in the dick well it does suck and i my heart goes out to anybody who can't who can't ride on it um i think like what was cooler than the park as the the mario kart ride was really the park as a whole and and everything there is just to look at i mean that 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 park section is so kinetic everywhere you look there's something moving there's like a toadstool walking back and forth or a koopa walking back and forth and a block spinning and uh you know what i mean there's just it feels as alive as the games and that's some of the insight i got was like trying to recreate the fact that if you play the games everything is like breathing and alive like literally like the hills have the hills have, have eyes. eyes the hills have little faces on them and they're like living things and i think they really tried to bring that to the park like it just feels so alive and i think they killed it with that the other really interesting insights i got and i think the thing i majorly missed out on is the other part of the park so yeah everyone's like there's only one ride what the fuck well there's six different mini games scattered throughout the park and for all of them, that's where the watch comes in. And there's lines for that stuff, obviously, and all that kind of stuff. But every single one is like an interactive game. Some have almost like escape room qualities to them. You know, there's the like, so let's say the first one is this Goomba on a little spinny thing, and you've got to turn this crank. You know, and you walk up to it, you put your watch on the thing, it activates it for you, you turn the crank. And, and you try to get the Koopa to fall off. When the Koopa falls off, you get like... And for each one, you get a little key like you would get in a Mario game, right? A little like... You get a little key. And if you get all six keys, it grants you access into Bowser Jr.'s like cool little like secret area. And then if you go in there, there's a game you get to play with your friends. And when you beat that, you like... You win! And like... The, the, you win the theme park. It's... Pretty fucking cool. So how does that work if you don't buy the watch? Do they let you do anything? That's the problem. We should have... I mean, this is my big embarrassing admission. We should have bought the watch. Like, I don't... You but know. That's, an, that's like 90% of the experience. You're just... Do you get to, like, look at it? My problem is we came in... Well, no, you, you interact with all those games and you collect all the stuff. Okay, it, so you get to, like, turn the crank, hit the button, play it... It just doesn't keep track of the score. No, it does. You or, or it keeps track of like you. Ha yeah, it keeps track of your score. All the coins you get, you can get coins all throughout the park. So you're trying to like get a bunch of coins without the watch. No, with the watch though. You have that's to have what the I'm watch. saying. Is there yeah. anything to do? You you walk in. You're like, I'm not paying forty five dollars for a chunk of plastic with a fifty cent NFC chip in it. There's a ton of shit to look at. There's a shop. There's Mario and Luigi. You can your kids can take pictures with them. There's the whole Mario Kart ride. Like, but you also have to understand, this is universe. This is Universal Hollywood. 
you can you walk into this zone and it's just you can literally like see all of it in one head turn. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because it's all compact in there. That's why I really want to experience the Tokyo or the Universal Studios Orlando version of this because it's a lot more. And this is some of my insight in, which was really fucking interesting. A lot more based on like design logic that Nintendo used for like the first level of Super Mario Bros. and stuff like that. Like you walk through the precipice, you walk in, and the first thing you, the first thing you I, you should encounter, which is not the case, I think in Universal uh, Hollywood, which kind of immediately throws it off because this is the thing. The insight in I got was for designing the Tokyo experience. That's mm-hmm. like the big one that everything else is based on, right? Your little birdie was involved with that sort of some that stage p- of something. some stage of something before this, before Hollywood, mm-hmm. right? So they adapted that to Hollywood. God. Okay. So things got changed around a little bit. So it's kind of hard for me to even understand the one-to-one on what I was told based on my experience, because I feel like they jumbled it a little bit in a way that's not great. So the first thing I should have encountered, apparently, according to this situation, was uh, the watches. And then you get the watches. And then the next thing you encounter, because it's just like that first level, it's like, okay, they show you like, they give you an enemy and show you that jumping is what you need to do. Then they essentially force you to like encounter a block that gives you a power up, right? In that first level, right? That's like kind of how the whole level flows. And like so every single inch of that level, as we talked about in that episode, right? Where we cover Super Mario Bros. Every inch of that level is teaching you fundamental shit about how this game is played, right? Mm-hmm. That is how the park was designed. And it's really interesting and it's really cool. So the whole park is designed like I come in, I get the watch. The next thing I encounter is a block. What can I do with the block? Well, you want to go up and punch the block like Mario. And then, bing, that gives you like a coin on your watch. And then the next thing you encounter is that Goomba with the crank, because that's like the simplest game, right? A mini game, right? And then you do that and you turn the crank. And it's just very like guiding you through these mini games in this really smart, clever way that's really cool. And it was, I think, a little lost on the Hollywood experience mm. uh, setup. But I don't know because we got in, we immediately got into a two-hour line, we did the two-hour line, we did the ride, we came out, and then it was like everyone was hungry, everybody needed to use the bathroom, everybody needed to like leave Super Nintendo World. Mm. We left Super Nintendo World and then like had fast passes for the rest of the park. And then ended up like doing the rest of the park fast passes. We got there really late, by the way. Like we weren't there all day. We were there in like from the middle of the afternoon until like dinner time. Right. So then for the rest of the time, we, we, and I want to speak towards that for a little bit too as we wrap things up. But like I want to go back. I want to experience it a little, even though it does involve me buying a 45 fucking dollar trinket essentially <laughs> i want to actually experience the park or like one of us will get it like maybe lexi will get the watch and i'll just like hang out with her and get to like see all the different you know what i mean and then as soon as she gets the final key you push her to the ground take her yes. watch and run to the secret because the cooper room is really cool it's this interactive screen <laughs> game and it's like a boss fight against cooper koopa uh, bowser jr rather like it's super neat looking i mean you can look at all this stuff on youtube too by the way but yeah it's just really cool and the mini game thing's cool because very escape roomy it's very like all right you got to solve this puzzle and you got to get your friend to help you and you know what i mean and it's just really neat um but we didn't really experience it that that well and i want to go back and re-experience it more quote unquote the right way and i want to ride that mario kart uh ride again just because 
um, it's it it's just there's a lot going on, and I I feel like it was like so much for one experience. You like kind of need to write it a couple times, and I want to write it like without the visor on, and I want to write it with the visor on, but like understanding how the gamification works mm-hmm. so much better now. Uh, so, anyways, it, it's a really really fascinating, interesting thing. Like, if I were you, I you know I think I would put more emphasis on trying to see it in Orlando because it's going to be way more like the intended original experience. It's still very cool to see it in Hollywood. But, you know, the rest of the park's cool, too. So I will also just say, to wrap up on Universal, it was really cool to go back and experience. I didn't do the Jurassic World ride. It was really cool. It's this, like, boat ride. They do a really cool misdirect thing. It goes from very chill, scenic, oh, it's nice to be on a boat, just (laughs) chilling in the day. And then they really build to this fun, terrifying, like, crescendo. Uh, Finally did the Simpsons ride. That was fun as hell you know great time it feels a little too long for what it is almost actually i was like i'm good by the end i was like yeah you can stop fucking <laughs> rattling me around and i think that would used to be star uh, uh back to the future too it right? absolutely was it's literally the same just thing. the screen and everything and again i like the lead up almost like the video they played right before you get on they did a good job with that stuff uh and then i think mummy returns is still like maybe my favorite like one of my favorite of, of all time rides it's so fun do you have any other fun insights from your little bird uh before we wrap it up because it is it was such a unique opportunity it's really cool i i think it was just really interesting to hear about i think the really cool thing for me was and i'm sure i probably forget stuff forgot stuff because like i didn't really write a lot down i was just really fascinated by the discussion but i think all of the little attention to detail oh oh um one other thing it's definitely um they went with super mario 3d world for the aesthetic that was like the specific mm-hmm. game that they went for which is pretty obvious i think when you walk in if you're familiar with all the games like that's what that's what they went with for that um no it's just really cool it's just like this really cool i love just hearing about this this group going in and just working on this thing and oh oh yeah i got one more yeah 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 miyamoto was involved in a very miyamoto way he would just show up and be like i want to feel really small (laughs) can you make me feel really small and then they like built the thing this hallway that you walked i don't think it's in hollywood i think it's in tokyo you this hallway you walked out that like does the illusion effect and like makes you think that everything's really big around you or whatever that you got really small like he is very involved in that kind of way apparently he was awesome really cool but he was doing that Miyamoto thing where he comes in and he's just like throws a crazy idea out and it's like make it happen and (laughs) that was really cool and uh yeah that's pretty much it and I just thought that whole inspired by the first level especially for how much work we did Mm -hmm. talking about that first level how inspired it what they were on in terms of really like teaching you this experience because it is so different harry potter world just build gringotts mm-hmm. and yeah the wand thing's really novel but besides that it's just like you're in gringot you're in or you're whatever you're in harry potter town and it's really cool looking but like they had to teach people a game and like guide you through this much more interactive completely novel gamified yeah, yeah. theme park experience that's totally new that's like no one that's never been done before it's really cool and unf- i wish the watches were a little cheaper um but yeah and i think it was also just like 
oh, there was like really interesting stuff about the scaling, you, you know, because if they were to like, they had to keep like rescaling things based on different other changes because everything had to have, and like Nintendo had to approve every fucking single block, mm. uh, mushroom, every single thing they would go in and be like, no, the edges need to be like, you know, it had that Nintendo standard on everything. Everything had to be above board, but like even the block itself, those blocks weigh a lot. Like there's so much tech going on in those blocks, like just alone. There's just so much stuff. Cause you have to like have this watch communicate with this block, have the block, send it back. It has to go on to a server, and all this kind of stuff. And so it was, it's just, there's so much complicated tech happening, like in the innards of all just this so stuff. You can bump a little yellow block and go. Yep. Yippee. Yep. Just so you can feel like Mario punching a block. Amazing. It is, it's, it's, it's one of those beautiful experiences where it looks so simple and so pure and great. Just like we want that Mario aesthetic to be, but like the inner workings is like mad fucking complicated, like <laughs> mad, mad. The math involved on all that shit is so complex and interesting. Fascinating. All right. Well, there you have it. Our super Mario extravaganza. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I certainly enjoyed doing the research for the <laughs> super Mario between watching the Mario movie, and going to super Nintendo land, very cool stuff. The so. noble sacrifices you make for your content, Holden, you are a hero to all of us. <laughs> I know. I'm like, honey, I've got to go see the Mario movies tonight. <laughs> Sorry. Same with Nintendo World. It's like, we have to take these free passes to Nintendo World and experience it for the first time before a lot of other people. Um, anywho, it was awesome. Definitely go check it out. I mean, I know I was like, maybe try to get it at Universal. But I mean, honestly, I think Universal Hollywood does, though, have like a ton of great stuff to experience uh, for sure. So, I mean, what's kind of nuts is like just how I would just... I I think this happens to a lot of people. I'm now now that I've gone Express Pass, I don't I'll never be able to go back. I'd rather save up and spend the money and do the Express Pass than go and spend most of the day standing in line. It's just not worth it to me. Um all right. Thanks everybody for joining. Uh if you'd like to check us out, support us further, patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. That's patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. We do weekly bonus episodes for $5 a month. And for $15 a month, you can join us on Sunday for our Sunday study session where we cover whatever topic we're researching that week. That is, again, patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. Have you ever been listening to us talk and like you wanted to yell about how we're wrong about something? You get to do that in the study session. We're right there. Please. Yell at us for Tell, $15. I need, I, I need your Chris Pratt takes because <laughs> I know I'm wrong. Check me out on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash Holdenators Ho. That's twitch.tv forward slash Holdenators Ho. Monday through Friday streams. Jake. Follow me on Twitter at Best Jake Young. Uh, same as in on Instagram at Best Jake Young. And hey, on Thursdays, 7 p.m. Eastern, I do the Cartoon Dumpster. It's a fun little streamy thing where we watch weird bad cartoons from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. And uh, we uh, just goof on them real good. We goof on them real good. You can find that at twitch.tv slash puppet Jared. That's the name of my VTuber avatar. Love it. All right. Have a good one, everybody. And always remember, never stop bruising. And keep on the wheezing. Hey, wahoo. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com.
With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because. Hey, honey, you know your dad's world famous chili. Yeah, the one that takes 24 hours to make. So I was trying to help out and bring the pot to the table, but it was like super hot. And then I um dropped it. And now the floor looks all, you know, stained with chili. Look, the point is, you guys cool with pizza for dinner? <laughs> Honey? Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed.